0: Friends, would you please pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. As always, help us do something good with it. In your name we pray, amen. Well, we made it once again. Florida has evaded much of the mass devastation and possible loss of life during a potentially catastrophic hurricane. That's a good thing, and we need to be thankful for that. And now that the winds are starting to die down, typically what happens at this point is everybody steps back, takes a deep breath, and reflects a, a little bit. So for me, I, I was thinking back to watching the news Thursday and Friday night, and I, I kept hearing this one phrase over and over and over again by a news anchor, Gail Gallardo, and she kept saying... If you're going to go to a shelter, you need to bring items of comfort. Now, she went on to suggest things like pillows, blankets, food, if you had certain dietary restrictions, medicines. But I started to wonder how many people would agree with Gallardo's idea of what comfort items are and, and her definition of comfort. I have a friend who I've gone on a bunch of camping trips with, who other people in this room have gone on camping trips with, and without fail, when she shows up for a trip, she shows up with two blankets, three pillows, and two bags full of stuff for a single overnight camping trip. Because she she to her credit she wants to make sure that all of her bases are covered and that she is prepared for any situation. Worldwide marshmallow shortage, it could (laughs) happen. Real life potential shark NATO, she is she is prepared. There's something there's something about us that, that wires us to think in terms of our existence. That's, that's what we're kind of wired for. What is it going to take for us to exist, to essentially survive? And some of us are going to go to greater extremes down this road than others. There are survivalists. They're the ones that, that hoard 17 years worth of food in an underground bunker just in case. There are others who refuse to throw away used saran wrap because you never know when we're going to run out of that stuff. So you've got to hang on to that. There are still others that save every single penny they can in the bank for later, you know, to prolong their existence if they're going to need extraordinary or ordinary everyday care. And, and to some extent, all of us buy into this bill of goods. Because if you just turn on the news, it's pretty evident that we're all essentially doomed. So we just prepare We prepare to survive. And I think that's what makes John 10, 1-10 so very relevant to our current situation. Very truly, I tell you, says Jesus, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. Jesus is getting ready to tell us that, that there's only one way to life, just one way, one way to truly live and not just exist. But the world tells us that we were created to exist, that existence is our priority, and we need to do it for as long as we possibly can. So that's why we have commercials that, that push life insurance, investing in gold and silver, buying into free-stried food cooperatives. There's nothing wrong with meeting your basic needs, with saving, with investing, but the moment that those things become the center... The moment that they become the focal point of your life, you have crossed over from living into existing. So then you spend your entire life existing, you're you're prepping for the worst, and guess what? Here's here's what they don't tell you. If the worst really does come, there is no insurance policy, no can of beans that is going to protect you from it. But still, there's thieves and bandits all over the place just looking to convince you that there are other ways to protect your existence. Of course, what kind of existence are we talking about here? I mean, really think about existing versus living. Recently, I got a a note from Winnie Smouse, and most of you in this service remember Ray and Winnie, older couple, very big supporters of, of the well, and they, they were here for many years, and they just recently moved up to Virginia. Ray has been battling cancer for over a decade. And during that time, he has done many things that have prolonged his existence. He's done chemo and radiation and physical therapy and medical testing, etc., 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 and then another etc., 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 to prolong his life. Well, Winnie's note was to tell me that Ray has gone under the care of hospice. Not... Not hospice house like we think of it, but, but the ongoing hospice. And basically what, what Ray is saying is, I don't want to do any more medical stuff to keep going. I, I, don't, I don't want that anymore. So why would Ray do that? Why, why would Ray stop all that? Well, personally, I think it's about scotch. I really do. Maybe you didn't know this, but Ray and Winnie are social drinkers. Now this is not a sermon about addiction or alcoholism. They are social drinkers. I'm talking about one, one drink over dinner. And I'm not telling tales out of school because anytime many of us found them at a restaurant, they were having a cocktail with their friends. But here's the thing. There came a point in Ray's treatment when the medicine hurt him so bad and his lips got severely cracked to the point where he couldn't even have a cocktail with his friends anymore. Friends, it's not, this isn't a story about Ray's vices, far from it. It's a story of living, and part of Ray and Winnie's living was to be around their friends, and to go out to dinner and have a drink with them and and tell stories and laugh and enjoy life. And when that was taken away from Ray... He went from living to merely existing. So Ray made the choice to go back to living. Here's why this matters. I want you to think of it in terms of eternity. In Jesus Christ, we're promised eternal life. And that seems like a really good deal, doesn't it? Seems like a really good deal until you confuse living and existing. So how excited would you be if the promise is, congratulations, you get to exist for eternity doesn't sound so awesome then does it that you just get to get by every single day you just get to barely survive because the thing about eternity is it's eternal so can you imagine yourself just trying to get by every day forever well, that's not, God's, that's not God's vision for individuals. It's not God's vision for the church, regardless of how hard the world is gonna to try to convince us otherwise. Jesus says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them. He goes ahead of them and the sheep follow them because they know his voice. They're not going to follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech. The people didn't understand it. We have a hard time understanding. So Jesus comes back at it again in a very practical, very blunt, very honest way. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. No, no hinting around about it. I'm the gate. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep would not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved. And then, get this part. This is so important because we skip over this part. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, they may have life and have it abundantly. When we look to exist, we are all about playing it safe. So if we were stuck in that, that holding pen for the sheep, Right? That's just playing it safe. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you come in, you go out, you can get out there in the world. I'm not going to trap you into something. We're so into playing it safe, we don't want to take risks, we don't want to take chances. Let's just cover every possible scenario. And Jesus instead invites us to live. I think it is so interesting that he says that you're going to be saved, but you still get to go in and out. There's freedom in Christ. He's not trying to trap you, to hold you in. He's saying, go out, come in, but whatever you do, live. You were created to live, not just to exist. God loves us too deeply to smother us with safety. He knows that we don't combat our fears by living sheltered lives. We fight fear by developing courage, and courage is formed in the dangerous furnace flame of risk. The life in all of its fullness that Jesus talks about in the Gospel of John, it's not a pain-free life. It's not a failure fr- failure-proof life insurance plan. It's an opportunity to live a passionate life. But we got to stop thinking about it as an insurance policy against getting hurt. And instead, think about it as a license to dream big and to risk big For the kingdom of God, in the assurance that if in fact it does all go wrong, the grace of God will pick us up, dust us off, throw us right back out there into the action. When you start looking at the world through this lens, the thieves are going to get a whole lot easier to spot, because they're the ones who promote fear and uncertainty, who profit when we are unsettled, convinced that they're going to sell us a better way with greater assurance. I want to be clear, Jesus wasn't against saving or being responsible or contributing to society. Scripture says that he was a proponent of all of those things, but not to the extent that the whole purpose of our living is to be safe because that's not really living, especially if that's not guaranteed to change our final outcome. Now, even churches can fall prey to thieves. And, and one of the ways that thieves steal life from the church is getting us to believe that the gospel is all about safety. He he appeals to our fears, lets us believe that that God's biggest dream for us as a church is is that we survive, that we all just hunker down together and we're just going to get through it without getting too badly hurt, that we should just find a panic room somewhere until the trumpet sounds and the eternal worship begins. Just picture that. I want you to picture the longest most boring worship service that you have ever been in, and I know there's not one person in this room picturing a service here at this church, (laughs) right? All right, now, all right, we're picturing the longest, most boring worship service that you've ever been. The music was so slow that you are confident that you aged no less than 30 years between the first and last verse of Amazing Grace, right? And the pastor droned on and on, and on, and your mind started to wonder somewhere between when Adam left the garden and Jesus ended up on the cross, but then you actually got confused because you weren't sure if we were still in the sermon or if we were just doing an exceptionally lengthy prayer. But anyway, how you, no matter how you looked at this, you started to wonder, should I start faking a medical emergency? Because being in the ER would be preferable to whatever it is that I'm sitting through right now. All right, so you've got that moment in your head. You've, you've pictured that. Now, picture doing that for eternity. It doesn't make you want to sign up for it, does it? The thief wins when he convinces you that the church's safe existence is better than adventurous ministry. And this is why so many churches are loath to make any kind of change because to make changes in ministry requires risk. And instead of growing and thriving, they're waiting in safety until their certain demise there is a significant difference between existing and living particularly when we're talking about things in light of eternity existing is breathing living is breathtaking existing is a beating heart living is a racing heart existing is functional living is sensational Existing is sitting through church. Living is being the church out in the world. The life that we find in Jesus is not about being greater in duration, but greater in depth and color and quality. It is an adventure. Our passion for this church is that we would live for Christ, not just exist as a building, and it's risky business. It's risky business business. Some of the stuff that we do around here is is a a little crazy. It is a risky thing and very dicey to connect church up with the public education system. That's a challenging thing. It is messy to put yourself in places where homeless congregate or where migrant farm workers gather. It is scary to talk to strangers about your faith. And you know what's even scarier? Talking to your friends who have none. Those are risky things. There is this great show back in the 90s called The Magic School Bus. Thanks to Netflix, I must watch it every day. My kids know all 54 episodes. There's this teacher, Ms. Frizzle. She's the teacher of the Magic School Bus. And every day on the Magic School Bus, they go on these amazing, amazing adventures. And every time, Ms. Frizzle says, we've got to take chances, make mistakes, get messy. Here is the best part for us, though, as a church. We can do that all with the complete freedom in Christ and do it without fear. Why? Because God is faithful. And when we take chances for the kingdom of God, they may not always turn out great the way that we wanted them, but God is still going to use them to move us forward. We have seen that repeatedly in the life of this church. Remember, though, the living of which Jesus speaks is not just about randomly doing whatever you feel like, whatever it is that makes you feel good. The living to which Jesus is talking about is kingdom living. It's the kind of living that involves you being in a relationship with God, the kind of relationship where instead of just getting up every morning and doing whatever you feel like, you're spending some time talking with the Lord, listening for his guidance, and sometimes that guidance is going to call you into some great adventures. You'll get to see what real living looks like. And true living involves the freedom that we have to pursue the heart of God with a reckless abandon through generosity and action and worship. Our God is a risk- taker. I mean, look around. He made all of us. That is a risk. So as I close this out, I need to give you an immediate, real-life situation about living for Christ and what that looks like in the risk that's involved. Like all of you, like all pastors and people all across the country, I have watched this particular election cycle in a state of horror. And it is not my place. It will never be my place as a pastor to tell you who to vote for. And most pastors are gonna stay out of this election altogether because it's a no-win. It is, it is a no-win because the risk is too great and you can't say anything without offending somebody. But here's the thing. When I stand up and I preach in front of you on a Sunday morning, I also stand up and I preach in front of my kids. I have three kids that are looking at their mom to set the tone for what a person of faith looks like. So I'm going to say something to you that's very, very risky, and I'm going to say something to you that's going to offend probably just about everybody in the room. But that's a risk that I'm going to take because my kids are watching what I'm going to say. I have a son and I have a husband, both of whom disagree with me on a regular basis about just about everything under the sun. There are a few things that we agree on. It is never, it is never, ever, ever acceptable for a person of faith who truly believes that we are created in the image of God to call another person, regardless of how much you disagree with them, deplorable. That is not, that is not an acceptable Christian practice. Likewise, I have two little girls. I have two beautiful little girls It is never acceptable. I don't care who you are. It is not acceptable as a person of faith to look at an entire group of people and demean them and to tell them that they are objects that can be mistreated just because of your position or your stature in life. That is not part of our Christian heritage and it is not a faithful reflection of what it means to be a person of God. So I tell you that I tell you, very truly, I tell you that anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way, they are a thief and a bandit. And Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. All who came before me, they are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and they will find pasture. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. However you vote in November, that is totally your business. Regardless of whether there is a Trump or a Clinton in the White House, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, we will still exist. We will still exist. But when you enter in and you go out from those polls, choose the gate. Choose the gate, because it's only going to be through that gate that you're going to truly live. Let's pray together. Holy God, we confess that we are not anxious to be risk-takers. In a world where it's so easy for so many people to be offended, where so many people are convinced that playing it safe is the only way to go, help us to be those people who are countercultural who say the hard things but even more than that do the hard things help us to live and not just exist that our lives may have purpose and that purpose is to bring glory and honor to your kingdom now and forever in your name we pray amen
1: amen thank you pastor hope friends our adults and some of our adults and our children are going to come with our offering buckets Um, Give as you can, give as you are called to, but whatever you give, may you give thankfully and joyfully for all that God has um, given to you and given to you to be stewards of in your life. But but may God bless it, and may God use it for furthering his kingdom through the ministry of Kirkwood, through our ministry partners, and throughout the world. Bless the Lord.
2: Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul. I'll worship your holy name. comes up the sun comes up it's a new day darling it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing
3: Lord, oh my soul oh my soul worship his soul
2: I will worship your holy name I will worship your holy name
0: into the world and be risk takers. I would be thrilled if people said about our church, those guys take risks for the kingdom all the time. Because I want us to be a place where we are not just existing, but we are living in the fullness of God. Go out and live. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you now and forevermore. Amen.
1: Friends, it is our tradition here before we send you out to send you all out Enjoy, Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We do have our children's Sunday school, our parenting class, and our adult Sunday school over in the parlor, so uh, please partake of those and just have a wonderful week. One, two,
2: three, four. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. Follow oh, you all your ways are good, all your ways are sure. I will trust in you alone. I am at my side.
3: Thank you.